Good evening, good afternoon, good middle of the night, and welcome to Cases of Color. Hello, you all. Um, Welcome back. It's your girl. So if you did not get the memo on my Instagram, and by the way, if you are not following Cases of Color on Instagram and Twitter, what are you doing? Not the right thing, I can tell you that. You definitely got to follow me at Cases of Color on Twitter and Instagram because I'm constantly posting there if an episode is going to be late, what time it's going to be posted, or anything like that. However, this episode is not late. This episode is right on time. I've decided to switch podcast release dates to Thursday. I feel like Thursday is a better day as far as my schedule and making sure that I can remain consistent. So Thursday is going to be the new podcast day. I'm very excited about Thursday being the new podcast day, and I hope you are too. If not, it's still going to come out on Thursday. So just like I said, make sure you're following me at Cases of Color on Twitter and Instagram so you can get all the latest updates about the podcast. Also, I want to say, since I posted the last podcast episode, you guys have done a phenomenal job of sending me like case recommendations and I just want to say thank you very much you guys have put me on the cases I've literally never heard anything about which is part of the reason why I do this podcast in the first place and I thank you for that because I'm reading some of these cases and I'm just like blown away and I really love some when I get a case recommendation from somebody that is a family member, friend, or anything like that, it really means a lot to me um, because I feel like I'm doing the person a favor. Even if they haven't talked to the person in a long time or whatever the case may be, it means a lot to me. Um, the person, they probably know who I'm talking about, and that case will be coming out soon. And I really look forward um, to sharing that. I will say I do not divulge people's names because I don't want people going to their pages. I feel like that's just very, very, very invasive. And I don't want to do that to people. So I will not. But anyways, you guys, let's get into this podcast episode for this week. This week, I'm going to be discussing the documentary for Gabriel Fernandez. And I will get into the Gabriel Fernandez case. If you have been a hermit and living under a rock, I will fill you all in. But I do want to explain why I'm discussing this case. One, um, Gabriel is a little is a little brown boy, and I think he deserves to be discussed because as this case has come out, a lot of other cases are resurfacing of children who have had similar fates. So I really want to discuss this one because it is very popular at the moment, but also bringing awareness and kind of making a call to action about abuse and kind of how we have all become a little bit complicit in it as a society and as a people. So let's get into it. On 22 May 2013, a phone call was made to the Los Angeles Police Department by Pearl Fernandez. Pearl Fernandez called and she said, my son is not breathing. They said, what do you mean he's not breathing? They said that he is not breathing. 911 obviously responded. When they responded, they noticed that there was blood in the house. They noticed that Gabriel was very bloody and that the story that Pearl told them didn't really match up. Their objective at the time was, of course, to save Gabriel's life. So that's what they focused on, even though they noticed that some things were off. So that's what they focused on, even though they noticed that some things were off with the story and with what was going on. So Gabriel is taken to the hospital and 
it is at that time that it is noted the magnitude of injuries that Gabriel has. Gabriel had a substantial amount of injuries that did not match up with what his mother claimed had happened to him. Gabriel literally was at that hospital with both of his eyes swollen shut, had to have a neck brace placed on him en route to the hospital. When he got to the hospital, it was noted that he had BB gun injuries to his body, swollen knee, lacerations around his ankles, showing as if he had been bound or tied up somewhere. He had a lot of blood on him as well, lots of bruising all over his body, bruising that was at different stages, so some new, some old. His wrist was swollen. Gabriel was very badly injured, and it did not match up to what his mother was saying happened to him. Come to find out, Gabriel actually started to have lung disease. Gabriel had a BB lodged into his lungs. Gabriel had a brain hematoma, so bleeding of the brain. He also had a hematoma on his liver. His liver had actually been cut. He had, his skull was completely broken. Gabriel had been severely abused. Gabriel at times was forced to eat his own vomit. He was beaten with the buckle of the belt. He was hit. He was punched. He was kicked. He was tortured. He was locked up in a cupboard at the edge of his mother's bed and would have socks stuffed in his mouth to keep him from being able to scream out loud. And he would be left in that cupboard for hours. Gabriel would sometimes have to pee in the cupboard. He would sometimes have to poop in the cupboard. Sometimes his siblings would sneak him food through the little crack in the cupboard. It was horrible. And yes, Gabriel had siblings, and oddly enough, his siblings never had to endure the type of torture and abuse that Gabriel did, which I am very grateful for, but it makes you wonder, why was Gabriel such a target of abuse? When Gabriel was born, three days later, his mother gave him up to his uncle and his uncle's partner, and Gabriel lived with them for four years of his life. He was very well loved, very well taken care of, always dressed, always clean, always smiling, always happy, very happy baby, very loved baby. At a certain point in time, his grandparents stepped in and they said that two gay men should not be raising a little boy. And they took Gabriel from his uncle and his uncle's partner. At that time, Gabriel lived with them up until he was about seven. Pearl came into the picture and she took Gabriel back. And that is how Gabriel ended up back with his mother. In the eight months that he was back with his mother, Gabriel was abused and tortured by her and her boyfriend. Pearl is a very sadistic person. She is thought to have had some type of personality disorder. Nevertheless, though, she's very aware of what she did. And in my opinion, she didn't even seem remorseful. Her fake-ass apology that she gave at her sentencing literally seemed written by her lawyer like she didn't even know what the fuck it said because she didn't write it. I have absolutely no remorse for this woman whatsoever. She truly disgusts me. A huge theme in this documentary, which is kind of why I wanted to talk about it in the first place, was people being complicit 
and people being afraid to report. I want to start off with the social workers. And I do want to say, for those of you who might be listening that are social workers, I really do want to hear from you and get some of your two cents. I don't divulge names or anything like that. I just want to know what are your thoughts. If you don't feel comfortable leaving a comment under the post for this podcast, please shoot me a DM. I really would like to know, as people who work in this field, what you think about this case and what do you feel could have been done to prevent it? Or if you have empathy for these social workers, why do you feel that way? Because I don't do this job, so I'm not aware, but maybe you can give me and the listeners some insight that we are not aware of. So I want to start with the social workers. Like I said, I want to first admit that social workers are underpaid and overworked. They are not funded the way they should be in this country. And I feel like that is a big problem. That is why we end up with situations like this. And I say all of that to say, to the social workers out there doing their job, thank you. To these motherfuckers here, minus the supervisors that like never leave the office, y'all need your ass beat. Because they put someone on the case who literally took the mother's word for shit, didn't check with Gabriel, didn't talk to Gabriel, called Gabriel a liar on multiple occasions, and basically just backed up the mother, supported the mother, and believed the mother. I want to next move on to the police. Now, we know what the police do. Y'all have heard enough of these episodes. Y'all know what's up. To the police. The police really were out here going over to this house at 10 10 p.m., 11 p.m., midnight, and they would not even request to see Gabriel. They went over there to do a welfare check, and did not check on the welfare of the person they were being called about. Y'all, I can't make this shit up. I can't. Even if I wanted to, I cannot. Some of the times they went, they didn't even document it. They didn't even keep track of when they went to go check on this little boy after multiple phone calls. The next person I want to talk about, the teacher. And everybody at that school that's an adult as well. You know, I'm going to say this. I get being intimidated by a parent. I get feeling like... A parent is not someone you can talk to about their child. But when I saw the pictures for Mother's Day that this little boy got taken of him at school by his teacher, and you see all the bruises on his head, on his face, on his arms, you see how bad he looks. I can't imagine in good conscience sending a child home looking like that. I can't imagine in good conscience telling him bye at the end of the day and being comfortable with that. It's very clear that this little boy was abused, and that wasn't the first time he came in her class looking like that. I'm honestly very disappointed in her, and I'm glad that she feels bad. I don't hate her. She's not the villain in the story, but I'm glad that she feels bad. I'm glad that she feels remorse, and I'm glad that there's a part of her that is not over what happened to Gabriel because she failed in her job of doing more than just reporting. He should have never left the school grounds looking like that whether that meant her calling the police herself and getting him the hell up out of his mother's home whatever the case may be he should have never ever left her classroom not the way he looked in those photos and that for me was very disappointing and disappointing to anybody else the lunch lady the principal anybody walking the halls if I saw a kid looking like that I got questions automatically to the People at the Gaines office who didn't want to call and report Pearl Fernandez for obvious abuse to her child because it was a Friday, and that would mean they'd have to stay late. Y'all need your ass whooped, too, because this is a child we're talking about. This is an innocent child, a human being, 
a baby, an eight-year-old baby who has no control over his circumstance, no control over his living situation, no control over what happens to him. And adults failed him. They failed him. And I also want to talk about all of us as a society. I think it's very easy for us to say, oh, it's not my business. Oh, I shouldn't worry about it. Ah, it is what it is. You know what? Maybe it's just whatever. I think at the end of the day, if less people did that, Gabriel might be alive. Gabriel might not have had to endure the amount of abuse that he had to endure. Now, we'll never know that because he is dead. And a part of that is people being complicit. I think the biggest takeaway that people can get from the Gabriel Fernandez case is that we have to take an active role in seeking justice for the helpless, seeking justice for those who are truly innocent beings. Children is a big one. I saw something the other day said, protect, protect all children, even the ones that don't belong to you. And that's some real shit, man. If someone saw something bad happen to my kid, I want them to say something. If it looked like somebody kidnapped a kid, I would want someone to say something. That's somebody's child who's just out here, one of the many missing. If you think about these cases and when I read about how someone says, oh, I did see them and she looked really uncomfortable, but I didn't say anything. We know what good does that do us now? What was the point? of you taking notice but not taking action. It does us no good to take notice but not take action. You know, watching this case made me very emotional. Watching the first episode where they actually show a picture of Gabriel on the hospital bed, it's very emotional for me. I am a mother, first and foremost, every day, every moment of my life. And I could not imagine hurting my own children, torturing them, making them endure pain for my own sick pleasure and as I watched this I just could not believe that the woman that gave birth to him not only watched this happen to her son but participated in it it honestly broke my heart when I found out that when they put him in that ambulance she didn't go with him That she never even showed up to the hospital to see him and to see about him. She never cared about Gabriel. Gabriel was somebody expendable in her life. Somebody that didn't really mean shit to her at all. And it's heartbreaking and it's sad that a mother can feel this way about her child. You know, I don't claim to know everything. I don't claim to be perfect. But one thing I am going to be better at is being an advocate for the voiceless and speaking up when I see shit that doesn't look right. I can openly admit, unfortunately and shamefully, that I've seen some things that were unsettling to me, but I didn't want to get involved. I didn't want to intervene. I didn't want to seem nosy. I didn't want to seem like I am sticking my nose where it does not belong. But I realized that those may have been situations where I could have saved someone's life. I could have helped someone out. I could have made someone feel safe. And instead, I let my own idea of minding my business keep me from possibly keeping someone else safe. I cannot in good conscience do that anymore because it's those type of actions that led to Gabriel Fernandez and other children like him dying. I cannot do it. 
and I will not do it. And I hope that you all can vow not to do it either, to truly stand up for these children. I will say the best part of this story is that the boyfriend got the death sentence and the mother got life without any possibility of parole. I know this is shorter than normal. This is honestly very hard to talk about. I recorded this before and I got very emotional. So I just wanted to get through it and stick to the facts and let you all know what I know. Rest in peace to Gabriel Fernandez and any little boy or girl who's ended up in a situation where they should have been helped and they were not. I'd like to do a very short moment of silence for Gabriel Fernandez and children like Gabriel Fernandez. you all this is the end of this episode thank you so much for listening to the podcast make sure you follow cases of color on instagram and twitter at cases of color if you're not following me what are you doing mistakes are being made we'll be back to some unsolved cases next week a lot of really good ones i'm really really looking forward to it thursday is going to be the new day that i post be on the lookout for a post for every single podcast and please leave your comments thoughts underneath there or if you just want to say hi i love when people just stop in my dms or my comments to say hello i really love to hear from you guys so have a great day good evening good afternoon good middle of the night Thank you.